0: What's up, everybody? How are we doing tonight? How are we doing tonight? How's everybody in the back over there in the balcony? Yeah, okay, great. Hey, if we've never met before, my name is Adam. I'm the pastor here at Sanctuary. And man, I'm so glad that you found your way here tonight. Uh, We are starting a brand new teaching series. uh, We're calling Unsubscribe, okay? Earlier this week, no joke, I checked my Gmail account. And I opened my Gmail account, and I had like over 500 unread messages. And uh, I feel like there's two kinds of people in the world that I've identified. You're either the kind of person that wants to get to like inbox zero in your email, and you're constantly like, yep, you are raising your hands, okay. Uh, And then there's the other group of people where if you look at the notifications on on their phone, and you see like a 1,000 notifications on your email. So which one of you are the 1,000 notifications... 10,000, someone said. <laughs> 21,000. OK, this is good. This is like an auction. Anybody else? Do I see over 21,000? <laughs> okay, you are the crazy people, the crazy people. I've identified, I'm actually a little of both. I, my work, I'm pretty good at keeping it at zero, but my Gmail goes crazy. And as I was opening up these emails, I realized, uh, these are just all things that are they're either junk or I've subscribed to at some point, and I don't even know how, they, how it got to my email. And that's what this series is all about. We want to talk about things in our lives that are toxic, and we don't even know how they, they got to us. And they're clinging on, and they're pulling us down, and it's time for us to figure out how to unsubscribe to them. The idea comes from this verse in Hebrews 12, it says this, Let us throw off... Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So, we all have a race to run, we all have a purpose, and there's these things that are hindering us and they're pulling us down, and we have to learn how to cut loose from them. So, that's what this whole series is about, and I'm super excited about tonight, our first week in the series. We're gonna be talking about something uh, that I wanna be a little transparent with you guys. This is one of the biggest uh, vices that I face. I really have a hard time with this one. I've had a hard time with it my entire life, and uh, that's uh, comparison. Tonight, we're going to talk about comparison. Uh, so in college, I had uh, so I'd written some songs in college, and so I decided to start a band like one does, right? And I started a band, and it was called Autumn Gray, OK? Yeah. G-R-E-Y, the British spelling of gray, which makes us really cool and hip. Uh, and this is not to be confused with my high school punk rock band, which was called Dino Bread. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, we'll get to Dino Bread at another point. We did make an album. I'll let you hear it uh, if you're lucky at some point. But Autumn Gray, uh, we formed this band after only two rehearsals, miraculously we got booked to play at this jazz club in Oklahoma City, okay? And we were opening for this uh, artist who had be, gotten to be pretty big in Oklahoma City. So we get there the night of the concert, and there's way more people <laughs> than we anticipated. And so even as we're starting, I tell everybody, I'm like, uh, this is the first time we've actually played a show together. We've only rehearsed twice, so, <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. Uh, we played, and probably the best way I can describe it is... Uh, we didn't actually suck. Uh, it was it was pretty good. Like, the band was tight. Uh, we remembered the chords. Uh, I m- remembered the lyrics for the most part. I was working at Starbucks at the time, and so I'd invited some Starbucks employees, and, at, you know, they, they just came out of obligation. At one point, I looked out, and I saw them looking at each other, and they were like, this is not actually that bad. This is pretty good. Uh, so I felt really good, right? And actually, the best part, I walked off the stage, and this headlining artist who was getting really big, she came up to me, her name was Sherry, and she said, man, is that really you guys' first show? Like, that was incredible. That was amazing. And in that moment, of course, like, I just started swelling up and getting inflated with a little pride. And, and I thought to myself, she's probably right. Like, we should be headlining this show. <laughs> she should be opening for us. Uh, I was feeling really good about myself. And then Sherry and her band uh, started to play, Okay. As soon as they started to play, I'm not, I'm not kidding you, the atmosphere in the room completely changed. Like people were talking and getting drinks when we were playing. As soon as she started, we were all just mesmerized by her. Like her voice was captivating. Her lyrics were haunting. The band, they weren't just tight. They were like one unit. And like you could hear a pin drop in there. We were just mesmerized. Now, my reaction could have been, uh, man, it was so cool that I get to share the stage with someone that great. And she's super nice. Like, way to go. I'm glad for her. That was not my actual reaction. Uh, in that moment, my reaction was, Autumn Gray is dead. We're done. Music is stupid. Uh, I'm going to start a professional career in selling shoes. I'm done with music. It's dumb. Uh, and it's just crazy. That's how I've always been in my life. Like, in this moment, it should have been a joyous Occasion. Like, we had been able to play songs that I had written for hundreds of people. Uh, We had done pretty well, and we were only going to get better. And I got to share stage with this great artist. I should have been really, like, joyful, and it should have been a a really fulfilling moment. Uh, But I compared myself to her, and she was way better than me. And here's what we need to know tonight this is the truth, it's simple. It's so simple and easy, and we actually know it, but we got to dig into it tonight. This is the reality. Comparison is a killer. Comparison is a killer. It's a killer of our contentment. It's a a killer of our fulfillment. It's like a cancer, a parasite, a virus that's eating us from the inside. Teddy Roosevelt once said, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is a killer and a thief, and it's trying to steal and kill our joy and contentment. Here's the thing. I know tonight, wherever you're coming from, this is something we all deal with. This is a human problem. Like, there used to be this phrase called called keeping up with the Joneses, and the concept was like, man, my house is really good until I look at my neighbor's house, (laughs) and then I want a better house, or... Uh, like this week, Mark Mornishi and I, we, like, we were feeling really good about our job at Menlo. And then we went and had lunch at LinkedIn. And we were like, man, <laughs> what do I have to do to polish my resume to work at LinkedIn? We had tacos. It was awesome. Uh, like my girlfriend or boyfriend, man, they're really good until I see somebody else's, right? And then, uh, man, my car is really nice, until I drive by a Tesla. Actually, uh, I want to show a picture. There's a guy in our community He works on our staff, Andrew Clendenin. He sent me this picture. He knew we were talking about comparison. That's his Honda Civic in between two Teslas, he said this week. Uh, that's sort of like living in the Bay Area in a nutshell, you know? You're constantly comparing. Uh, and here's the thing. You and I, we live in a time of life where it's never been easier to compare, and that's because of social media, right? If comparison is a killer, which it is, social media is like steroids for that killer, okay? Like instantly, we can compare ourselves. Instantly, I can find out what my friends did this weekend And I can find out I wasn't invited to that thing. Uh, Instantly, I can uh, find out while I'm working overtime, I can see my friend who's posting like the bare leg pics at the swimming pool. Anybody have the friends that do that? The bare leg, and they're like holding a book at the swimming pool. It's the worst. Uh, (laughs) Instantly, uh, you can, like while I'm eating my frozen pizza, I can look at my friend who's like eating one of those fancy meals at a Michelin restaurant, right? Instantly, I can see my friends who are disciplined and working out. Instantly, I can see uh, how successful my friends are. I can see their uh, perfect relationships that they're in, instantly. And the reality is, uh, this is a no-win game. The reality is, we know the truth here, it's all fake, right? It's all fake we are looking at curated, filtered pics. Uh, and I've heard it said like this before. We compare someone else's highlight reel to our behind the scenes, right? Someone else's highlight reel to our behind the scenes. And we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty myself. Like, I'm in a season of life where all my friends, we post like, uh, pictures of our kids, like really cute pic- pictures I post like they 're dancing they 're smiling, and it just looks like we 're having a great time always when the reality having kids is mostly chaos, ninety percent of the time, uh, so we went to Big Sur about a year ago and I posted these great picturesque pics of my kids in Big Sur and I want to show you behind the scenes this is my this is really behind the scenes right here <laughs> this is me. Uh, this could be captioned old man tries to figure out a selfie stick. <laughs> that one like nobody's even looking at it except for me and then I'm it's right in front of my wife's face. <laughs> this was just my finger. That's a picture of the sun and my son's finger and that's I'm <laughs> cutting off all of our heads. Like this is the reality, right? But we go through and we post the best. And that's what we're comparing ourselves to, is everybody's highlight reel. And so the question we want to wrestle with tonight is, is it even possible? Is it even possible to fight back against this killer in our day and age? And so thankfully for us, uh, this is an issue that humans have been dealing with from the beginning of time. And so we're going to look into Scripture and see what it has to say about comparison. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to me, we're going to look in 1 Samuel 18, and to set this up, we're going to look at uh, a man named King Saul, okay? So up to this point in history, the Israelites uh, have never had a king. They've only had judges who sort of govern their land, uh, but they start begging God, and they ask God to give us a king, and so God finally does, and he gives them this man named Saul, Okay? Now, Saul was like head and shoulders above other Israelites, and he was humble. He was a good man. And so when he became king, uh, it was pretty good at first. He had a lot of success. He had uh, uh, won a lot of battles. But over time, his pride got the best of him. Uh, The power he had got the best of him, and he started disobeying God. And uh, at one point, we find out that Saul has taken the Israelites to battle with the Philistines, And they run into a story that we've heard all our lives. The Philistines had a giant named Goliath. And King Saul, head and shoulders above all the Israelites, the most powerful man in Israel, he didn't face Goliath, but it was a younger person, a smaller person, and a shepherd named David who went and fought Goliath and, of course, beat the giant. And so instantly in this moment, we can already see the comparison, right? You got powerful King Saul, and you got young shepherd boy David. And David becomes like this folk hero instantly. He becomes a legend. And the Israelites actually wrote this popular song about David, and that's where we pick up in verse 7. This is the song that Saul heard the Israelite women singing. It goes like this. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. This is like a passive-aggressive song. Uh, Saul is adequate. David is amazing. Uh, and I love this next, next line. Saul was very angry. <laughs> this refrain displeased him greatly. Yeah, I bet, I bet. So for years, Saul was king. He had been inflated, right? He'd been built up when he compared himself to other other Israelites. But then in a moment, he started comparing himself to David, and everything became deflated, okay? So here's the first thing I want us to hear about comparison that's true for all of us. Anytime we compare ourselves, uh, one of two things is going to happen. We're either going to get swelled up, we're going to get inflated when we compare ourselves to some people, or we're either going to be deflated when we, we compare ourselves to other people. So I sort of see it like this. How are you guys feeling about my weird illustrations that I do every week? How are we feeling? Okay. 25% says, eh, it's adequate. <laughs> we can handle it. Okay. So Saul, for years and years, compares himself to other Israelites. He gets swelled up, right? This is going to be really weird with the microphone. I've sort of... The, so people tell Saul how great he is, year after year. <laughs> you making fun of me because I can't blow up a balloon? <laughs> this' real church-like man. <laughs> so years and years, he gets swelled up, right? And then he sees David younger, more courageous, and then it drains out of him, drains, drains. Real, real dignified church sound going on here. <laughs> and this is exactly what happens to us. Over time, we compare ourselves to some people, and we're like, man, they don't have the education I do. <laughs> I know it's weird. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> I, work, I work at a tech company in Silicon Valley, and they're back at home, like working at a gas station. Look at me. <laughs> Uh, Look at me. I'm in this kind of relationship, and they don't have anybody, man. (sighs) Right? So we get swelled up. We get inflated, which dishonors God, right? Because our pride gets involved, our ego gets involved, and we start looking down on others. So it displeases God. But then we compare ourselves to another group of people and we say, man, I'll never, I'll never be as pretty as her. <laughs> just, just go with me here. <laughs> I'll never be as successful as them, right? <laughs> and we just keep draining and draining, which also displeases God, right? Because then we stop seeing ourselves as worthy as a created human being of our God. So what we see with Saul is this. Let me blow it up one more time. So years and years, uh, we see Saul, he starts going crazy. He starts swelling up. He gets inflated when he realizes his power, and he'd invite David to come even play music for him. But then he would see David and his comparison would drive him crazy. He'd try to, he'd like pick up a spear and he'd try to kill David. And it drove him crazy. And this is exactly what happens to us. We go back and forth comparing. We get our pride, our ego built up, but then we start feeling worthless. It goes back and back and forth. And then eventually, <laughs> it drives us crazy. Comparison kills us drives us mad. It kills us. It's a never-ending game. Uh, Let's look at another image that we see in Scripture. This is from 2 Corinthians 10. This is the writer Paul. He says this, but they're only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. Do we have that Scripture back there? Using themselves as a standard of measurement. So we see now an image of measuring, right? So this is what we do. Uh, I want to measure myself, right? I want to see how much have I accomplished at my age. I want to measure all that I've done. And then I want to look at others and I want to measure them. And here's what I'm aiming for. I want to see where they are. I want to make sure that I'm a little bit better, right? The pastor, Andy Stanley, says it like this. He says, we all want to live in the land of Ur, like, I want to be prettier than them. <laughs> I want to be richer, stronger, funnier. I want to measure other people, and I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm better than them. We can even do this spiritually, which is weird. Like, we can see other people and like, man, I just want to be a better prayer than she is. <laughs> we can see people singing or worshiping like, I just want to, I want to be that good. I know I used to do this, like, uh, when I was in high school, I'd see other people's testimonies, and you get the guy who was like, man, I was on heroin, and I shot somebody. But then I came to Jesus, and it's all been good. And I'd be like, ugh! That guy's testimony! Oh, I want that testimony. I just went to church my whole life. I'm an idiot loser. Ugh! <laughs> uh, uh, like I said earlier, uh, <laughs> I want to be transparent about this issue with myself. Um, this has been really hard for me throughout my life. Uh, I, I played sports when I was young, and I just was always measuring myself against others. And then I became a worship leader, and I would, I would scour other, pe- other worship leaders and find out, uh, like, how many songs have they written? How many albums have they written? Uh, how many? How big is their church that they lead worship for? And now I'm in a new season of life, and it, it's so easy to say, like, man, I want to preach as good as John Ortberg. Like, how does he measure up? Or I look at old sank pastors, like, man, where do I measure up compared to them? I'll even do it at home with like hobbies. Uh, my wife recently. I was like, man, you did such a great job like building this table for us. And my instant reaction was like, yeah, not as good as like a real woodworker. This is sort of like amateur stuff, right? Why do we do this? Why do we constantly measure ourselves and measure others? And maybe a better question, what are we even measuring? I think if we look deep inside, this is what I think we're measuring, and it's a big deal. I think we're measuring our worth. We're trying to find out. We're trying to measure, how, how worthy am I? How valuable am I? Do I even matter? Am I good enough? And so the big, big question I want you to hear tonight, something I want you to take home with you, this is the question we all have to ask ourselves every day of our life, the question we must answer is this. Who or what is going to define my worth? Who am I going to let define my worth? What am I going to let define my worth? Is it going to be the things that I accomplish? Is it going to be what others say about me? Is it going to be the things I've accumulated? It's going to be the way I look, how many followers I have, what am I going to let define my worth? So if we look into Scripture, uh, what do we see about our worth? This is what we see. In 1 John 3, 2, we first see this. One of my favorite verses in Scripture. We see, beloved, we are God's children now. God looks on you, looks on us as beloved sons and daughters. Now, I have two kids. If you don't know that, I talk about them every week, so you should. Uh, I have two kids. And right now, they're constantly in this phase where they're just like, Daddy, look what I did. Daddy, look what I did. My daughter's learning her letters, how to write her letters. And she'll constantly just say, Daddy, look, look. And my son will just be like hanging upside down from random stuff. And just say, Daddy, look what I did. Look what I did. And I, man, I love their accomplishments. It's super cool. It gives me a lot of joy to see them progressing and learning stuff. But here's the reality. Uh, I could care less about their accomplishments uh, when it comes to who they are. Like I'm not looking at their achievements, what they do. I'm looking at their heart. And I see them for who they are and I, there's no thing that they could do on the scale. I'm not measuring them. The more you do that, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to love you more. No, no, no. There's nothing they could do that would make me love them more or less. They're my child. And that's how God looks at you. He's not looking at your accomplishments, your achievements. He's looking at your heart, who you are. The other thing with my kids, I have two of them. Did I say that? All right. <laughs> uh, Man, they're both super unique, right? Their personalities are different. They like different things already. And I'm not looking at, like, one of them and saying, oh, well, she really likes singing, so I sort of prefer her, right? (laughs) He's into athletics, so yeah, yeah, I really like that guy. Like, I embrace their uniqueness. I love that they have different personalities. They have different uh, bents. Like, they're unique, right? And again, this is how God looks on us. He loves your uniqueness because he created it in you. Check this out in Psalm 139. It says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. See, we look at our creator This is a God who made you and made me with intention and purpose, with uniqueness. And here's the thing. God doesn't want you to be like them. God doesn't want you to compare yourself to others because he created you how you are. He's given you a purpose. And it's not just your job. It's not just your calling. uh, He's given you an ethnicity. He's given you a background. He's given you a history and circumstances that are unique to you. There are people that you can reach that I could never reach, that you could minister to. There are things you will be able to do in life that I would never be able to just because you're created uniquely. And that, my friends, that is why it dishonors God so much when we compare ourselves to others because it's like we're saying to him, like, no, I know better, and I I'd live a better life if I was like them. But God created us uniquely for his purposes. Bless you. Uh, so what are some strategies that we can employ to fight against this comparison and embrace our worth in God? So one thing that we can do immediately is to question our motives and to check our motives every day. Before you go onto Facebook or Instagram, check your motives. Are you scrolling through those pictures just so you can measure yourself against others? Before you post a a picture or a video, uh, check your motives. What's your motivation in doing that? Is it just so uh, you're hoping someone will look at it and, and get envious? Be like, oh, I wish I was like them. What is your motivation behind this stuff? And here's the deal. This is what we want our motivation to be. We want to seek connection instead of competition. We want to seek connection instead of comparison. That's in all of our relationships, not just social media. It's with our work relationships, our family. Here at Sank, how can we seek connection with others, not competition? Relationships are about connection. So That's something we can do. We can check our motives constantly. Something else we can do, we can learn how to practice uh, gratefulness, to be g- grateful people. A lot of studies have been done recently that show the, the benefits uh, mentally and emotionally of uh, living a life of gratitude. If you just Google search like uh, gratitude journal, you'll see tons of ideas Uh, But something I've started doing, just a simple one every morning, is I write three things that I'm grateful for. They can be big, they can be small, like a cup of coffee, but here's the deal. The more we practice gratefulness, the less we look outside. The more we count our blessings, the things God has given us, uh, the more we compare ourselves to others, the less, sorry. Uh, The the other thing we can do is we can pray for those that we compare ourselves to. This is something I've started doing. Like when you see somebody that you're comparing yourself to, man, just pro tip, it's really hard to be resentful to somebody when you're praying for God's blessings on their lives because you start to see them as a human being, not as a competitor. But more than any strategy, what I want you to leave with tonight is I want you to every day wrestle with this question who or what is going to define my worth? That's what we have to ask ourselves because comparison is a killer. It'll drive us crazy, the endless measuring against each other. And so we have to ask the question, are we going to find our worth in what others say about us, how we appear? Are we going to find our worth in who God says we are, his beloved children, so, I want to close by telling you about a friend of mine named Andy. When I was doing junior high ministry in Chicago, uh, I met a kid named Andy. He was in sixth grade and he was, he was unique. He was different. First time I met him, he knew I was a worship leader. And he came up to me and he was like, Hey, I want to be like the head of your security team. And I was like, uh, Say again? Uh, and he said, Yeah, you know, like if you go to a concert, there's that security key team that keeps the, like the, the, the band safe, you know? And I was like, Andy, I don't think we have one of those here at our church. He's like, well, okay, I'll start one. And so he went to like Goodwill or something, and he bought this uh, shirt that just said security on it. And every Sunday, he would pretend like he had uh, like a headphone in And he would stand at the like you know the stage as I was leading worship, and he would be the security guy. And then in between services, he would walk me around. He'd be like, "Come this way, Adam's coming through." (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you know, if you ever have ego, uh, if you have low ego, then that's a good way. Hire somebody. That made me feel really good. Have a security guy walking around. Another time, uh, we were on a bus together, and a mission trip, and. I sat next to Andy and he said, man, have I ever told you that I wrote a detective novel? (laughs) I was like, no, I don't even know how to answer that. And he had, he wrote a detective novel. And so for the next two hours, he told me the entire novel and it was brilliant. It was so good. He was the detective, of course, like Andy, the detective. It was amazing. Uh, but the best thing is we had this junior high retreat, big junior high retreat, and at the end of the retreat every year, we'd have a talent show. And uh, Andy came up to us one year, me and another leader, and he said, hey, I want to I wanna do a dance at this talent show. And we were just like, oh, okay, tell us more. And he's like, yeah, I memorized it. I think I want to do it. And the leader and I were like, well, let us get back to you on that. And, and we just talked about it because we we're like, You know the kids made fun of Andy a lot, right? Uh, Junior hires can be brutal, and they would make fun of him. And we just had in our mind, what if he gets up on stage to do this dance, the music starts, and he just freezes, or what if it's like doesn't go well, and they just all make fun of him? So we're, you know, it was back and forth. But eventually, we're like, man, he he really wants to do it. Uh, Let's give him a shot. So we told him he could do it. Night of the talent show. Uh, quick question. Do you guys remember the movie Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yep. So the lights go down. Andy's standing right there and the lights come up. The music comes up. Lo and behold, Andy had memorized the entire Napoleon Dynamite dance and he performed it flawlessly. It was so good. It was like a worship moment. It was amazing. (laughs) And the junior high kids went nuts. They just went crazy for him. It was one of the coolest moments. All of us leaders, we're just tearing up, we're crying. We're like, yeah, yeah. And here's the I've reflect, reflected on Andy a lot in my life. And often I've said to myself, man, God, I wanna be more like Andy. See, Andy never measured himself against others. He frankly didn't care what others thought about him. Andy was well aware of how worthy he was in the eyes of God. He was well aware that he had been created uniquely, and he fully went after his uniqueness. And here was the deal. Because he didn't compare himself, uh, he was a guy that was full of joy, full of contentment. Full of fulfillment. You might have not known it by looking at him and comparing him to other people. But if you knew him, he was full of that. And that's my desire. That's my desire for you guys. Is that we would fight against this killer. Because God, man, he wants us to be joyful. He wants us to live a life of contentment and fulfillment. And he wants us to embrace our unique purpose on this world. So let's pray together continue worship. And God, I I thank you for this this reality that no one in here is a mistake. And everybody is created with intention. And sometimes when we look at others and we look at ourselves and we sort of measure, uh, man, it doesn't feel like that. And God, I pray for uh, each of us that this truth would sink in, that you look on us as a beloved son or daughter, that you're looking into our heart and you are pleased. What you created is good. So Father, strip away this desire, this incessant desire for us to show that we're worthy, to prove that we are better, stronger, everybody else. And God, uh, give us the faith to believe that you have already deemed us worthy. So God, as we worship now, would you speak to our hearts? Would you assure us that you are a trustworthy God, that you're a God that we can place our full faith in? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.